everybody. Welcome to an AFC Championship edition of the Action Sports Jacks Pylon Podcast. Brent Martineau, Dan Hicken, absent from this one. We welcome in Stuart Weber from Action Sports Jacks. Of course, the podcast brought to you by the Jacksonville Iceman, who will play a home game on the 24th. That's Wednesday. Of January. That's uh, during our preparations for Minneapolis and Super Bowl week. I believe it's a wine and dine Wednesday. Wine and Nine Wednesday. There you go. Patriots and Jaguars now uh, less than 48 hours away. Uh, we made it through Glovegate and Tommy Brady. Tommy Brady saga uh, is about over, we think. It looks like he'll play on Sunday. Uh, that's the latest word. Stitches instead of a bone bruise. Uh, might have to wear a glove. Listen, he's the greatest of all time. He'll be fine. It's like Antonio Brown, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, it's not a ploy. But um, I expect Tom to be 100%. Every week, star players seem to be injured ahead of playing the Jaguars-Saxonville defense uh, again this week with Tom Brady. The, the most interesting thing about it today was seeing the Photogs <laughs> not lined up for the press conference, but lined up at the side angle just so they could get an ISO, uh, isolation as we say in the business, an <laughs> ISO shot of the hand. They just had, the hand. They had in, in Boston, okay? That live TV or, or maybe it was Facebook Live or whatever they were doing, they had a split screen of Tom Brady on the podium and another camera called the hand cam. Hand cam. Where he had a tight shot of his hand. I mean, and to set the scene further, Stuart just kind of said it for you, but there were there had to be, what do you think, there had to be 100 media members in this press conference room and everybody waiting on this. And this is what they do in New England, by the way, whether it's Belichick or Brady. And these guys say absolutely nothing. And we know they're going to say absolutely nothing. Tom Brady, first thing, I'm not talking about the hand. And, I mean, that was it. I mean, what you knew you weren't getting anything out of him. Second question, thumbs up or thumbs down on playing? It was a good question. I he enjoyed chuckled. The, I, he chuckled at a couple <laughs> of the questions. As well he should. But you said 100 media members were there all for this. There was one media member in the entire thing who was not watching the presser. You. That was me. I was, edit- I was editing stuff in the other room for our show tonight. Well, it's interesting. You know, I've been in business, heck, almost 20 years now, and I used to cover the Patriots in Providence, and they weren't as big as they are right now. It was at the start of the Brady run. But it's just, it's interesting to watch the spectacle at times. You know, we go to Super Bowls and you watch the spectacle. You watch the media day. You watch all the people around, uh, especially if you're not, you know, the Super Bowl and we don't have a dog in the fight, which we really haven't in a while. Um, you can kind of watch more of that stuff. And that was kind of it today, uh, that we were just kind of watching this thing take place. And it was just amazing to, to come to the podium with two red gloves, the practice gloves. It shows you how cognizant the Patriots are of the outside narrative, right? Because they, I guarantee you this is what happened. They said, first of all, we're not going to say anything. Uh, whatever's going on is going on, but we're not saying anything. And that's no different than any other team, sure. by the way. But once their their media people saw that the cameras were being set up on the on the side of the podium to get shots of the hand, or they just anticipated that happening... I think that's why he wore the gloves, to kind of keep everybody still a little bit in the dark and say, you're not getting a clean look at my hand. Because if there are stitches that some reports say, well, that would have been easily noticeable. Sure, you right? see that. And everybody would have been looking at this hand uh, if it was swollen or bone bruised and then dissecting it. And at least, I think it's probably a smart move by them to do it. Sure. So they don't have all that floating about for the next 48 hours. There was some speculation that he was going to be wearing a hoodie and just keep his hands in the hoodie, like the hoodie pocket. Yeah. The whole time, uh, which would have been hilarious to do that. I'm a little surprised uh, the savvy PR people just didn't make it a conference call. 
Yeah, good point. He, he's got media availability. I wonder if that has to be in person. I think it does. Okay. I think it wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't have fulfilled counted, the obligation. They which, like to have him on twice in a week. I was going to say he he has to do two, doesn't he? Well, he got away with that. I think on two fronts. One, some there's some Into talk report. that you can that you can do it after the game, and if you talk oh, after okay. the game, that counts as your second, which most people do. But back in Jacksonville, Blake Bortles talked twice this week sure. on top of talking after a game. Uh, but then I think you just said it, the injury report. Once he did not practice, yeah. he's excused from having a talk because they put a did not practice next to his name on Thursday. He did warm up, though. Bottom line is he warmed up today on this Friday, and also he practiced on a limited basis. He's questionable for the football game. Bottom line, we're tired of talking about Tom Brady's hand. He's going to play on Sunday, 3 o'clock kick. And listen, the Jacks just going to have to beat Tom Brady. It's, it's the end of the day. We can break down this game all we want. Tom Brady loses when teams are just better than them. And are the Jags better all around than the Patriots? Uh, that's that's something we're about to find out on Sunday. And that's what we have to base our picks on, I guess, for Sunday, right? When we get to that point on countdown to kickoff Sunday morning, or Sunday afternoon in this case, the 1 o'clock show for the 3 o'clock kickoff, uh, we have to level that out against the optimism of the city and the the team going into this one, and certainly we will do that. I will tell you this. Uh, reports back in Jacksonville I got today, this team loose as a goose again, and that was the report I got last Friday. So before the goose the Pittsburgh versus the goat, is that what we're saying? <laughs> yeah. Loose again and um, confident, very confident. I told you, I've told people several times, Jaguars All Access Monday night, talk to these couple of guys, Telvin Smith, Calais Campbell. They were really, like a different kind of confident. Not, Of course you're going to be confident if you're playing this time of year, sure. but it was just a different vibe. It's like It's almost like they know something the rest of everybody doesn't. And that's you get the field. Now, again, we'll find out. Maybe everybody else is right and uh, the, the Patriots are going to win big. That's certainly the feeling around here. Uh, you can't find a Patriot fan that doesn't think this is going to be somewhat of a, a walk um, in the park for them. They, there's not even a contemplation about, you know, the Jags winning this football game. Is there a little bit of a pause about this defense and how good they are? Maybe. But uh, I feel like just, it's a little different than it was last week. In a little Pittsburgh, bit different. Though. A little bit different. Yeah. I don't think. But we listen to the radio in both places. Sure. I mean, we heard it today. Did you get a sense? They said that even with Brian Hoyer, they would beat the Jags. Yeah. Who the heck would say with Brian Hoyer, you would feel confident about winning this football game? Keep in mind. Go look at the Patriots roster. Outside of Brady and I'd Gronk, feel good if Brian Hoyer was playing. If I'm the Jaguars. Oh, my gosh. I mean, how could you not? Brady makes his team so much better than they are on paper. Gronk makes his team so much better than they are on paper. Bill Belichick makes his team so much better. Those three guys make elevate this team because if you want to go matchups with this football team man for man against other teams in the league, they're, they're good. They're certainly not great. They're certainly not unbeatable. But those guys kind of mitigate all those factors. But the linchpin of those three is Brady. Oh, no doubt. Because if you have Gronk and Belichick, you still have to get the ball to Gronk somehow, and that's going to be Hoyer throwing the ball, which, yeah. okay, good luck with that. Here you go. A little, you know? little trivia if people in New England are listening, or if you're a really good football fan. Last time a quarterback started a postseason game for the New England Patriots, not named Tom Brady, Scott Zolak in 1998. How about that? I mean, Brady, of course, he missed the one year. They won 11 and five, but they didn't make the playoffs at 11 and five with Matt Castle as the QB, and uh, I think it was somebody else. Who am I? Th oh, Bledsoe, back in the 2001 year, came in in the Pittsburgh game, late in the game, so he didn't start it. 
Uh, so, very interesting. 1998. How good of a run has this been? That's the one thing about Brady, man. He it's has been durable. Yeah. I mean, he has been. So, he only missed that one season where he tore the ACL, got hurt in the first game, and then he missed four games for Deflategate. Outside of that, he no. hasn't missed anything. I mean, that's uh, probably the undertold story is how durable this guy has been. Which is how you knew right away how serious this injury was if it's going to be something that causes him to miss a practice absolutely because he doesn't miss practices either yeah so anyway we're uh, getting ready for today uh friday meaning we talked to uh, jim nance and tony romo Uh, we're going to play those interviews for you let's begin with tony romo um he likes the jags now not to win the game necessarily but he likes the jags and he's seen them now a couple of different times he had to study for them in the buffalo week that was a sloppy game, not a great game for the Jags, especially offensively. Hard where, to watch. Where it was rumored that Romo might have been the best quarterback in the building. Yeah, it was. Uh, but I think there's something about this football team that he gets a sense that he likes. Take a listen to our interview earlier on Friday uh, with the former Dallas Cowboys quarterback and the uh, analyst for CBS Sports. And he'll help call the game on Sunday at 3 o'clock on CBS 47. You're used to doing these Patriots games. Now you've seen them quite a bit. How good are they, Tony? They're very good. I think you're going to find probably the the best schematic team. Um, they're going to give their players every opportunity to succeed based on you know the situations that they put them in. Um, but at the same time, Jacksonville's for real, and this is a game that can go either way. And this is the best team that New England's played this year, and this is not just a fluke that Jacksonville's here. I, you know, we talked about it on air in week three or four. Someone told me who's the surprise team, and I went with Jacksonville. I said no one wants to play these guys. You know, if you see them in January, it's going to be a tough out. So it's going to be tough. What do you think about the way they do things, the Patriots, compared to this defense? People have been bringing up 2015 Broncos, 2013 Seattle. Uh, the speed of this defense is what's different, I think. Yeah, the speed is outstanding. This is actually uh, – those those defenses are comparable. I think the the uniqueness is that – the scheme, they're a little more versatile than the Seattle team, who really only played one coverage the entire game, which is amazing. That This pass rush is a little better than Seattle's, um, but their secondary is probably a little better at Jacksonville than Denver's. Mm, this is a unique Jacksonville team. I, I think it's really going to come down to Blake Bortles, and if he plays a pretty solid football game. Back in the Buffalo game, you guys had that one in Jacksonville, and you nailed it uh, listening to the broadcast. And they eventually did what you said, go a little <laughs> second level, and they figured it out in the second half and got that drive and the yeah. important drive. What do you think offensively, an underrated offense at time, I think, in, in Jacksonville has to do to beat this defense that's really clamped down and an underrated defense in New England? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, you have to figure out what's going on in the game. The idea is that's why you hire good coaches, come up with plans and adjust within the game. And if you have good coaches, they'll be able to do that. You know, if you don't, you'll be fighting an uphill battle all game. But um, I think Jacksonville's been sneaky, really good on offense. And it's one of those things where the nation doesn't realize it yet. But, you know, in Jacksonville, you guys do. They do a lot of things. They play old school football, then they do some new school stuff. They have some run pass option stuff. Then they just run power like it's 1982. And last week, they throw a fullback right down the middle of the field. I promise you, you haven't seen that in the NFL in years. But that was a staple play in the 80s. So. Uh, it's cyclical, and Jacksonville's kind of bringing stuff back. You are so fresh out of locker rooms. All these storylines this week, the Brady stuff, um, we don't know what it's going to lead to. But just the distraction part of it from both sides, does it factor in? Yeah, I don't think it factors in. I think for players, you're so locked in on what you're trying to do and everything. You're just you're showing up, and you're excited to play in the game. And you know These kind of games can change lives sometimes. And you know, Go out there and play your best game and lay it on the line. It's going to be a big one. So some interesting comments uh, from Tony Romo, who, by the way, has done a fantastic job in the booth uh, this year. 
I believe. The Jags fans, I know, love this. They get Romo and Nance a couple weeks ago with the Bills. That's the number one team. Hadn't had the number one team all year from a broadcast standpoint. Now two weeks later, you're in the AFC Championship game and you get them again. Still amazing, this football team did not play a primetime game all year and really did not have their schedule moved around at all other than a couple of 4 o'clock games. And this one on Sunday will be a 3 o'clock game. I think that's important. Creatures of habit, young football team, and they didn't have to make any of those adjustments to the Monday nights, the Thursday nights, the Saturday nights, or even the prime times. Next year they will. <laughs> next year they're I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, a few of those games next year will be played under the lights at Everbank Field because, of course, the Steelers coming to town will be an interesting one, and the Patriots as well. Yeah, the Patriots will be there. And uh, here's how about this? Also, just along those lines, Minneapolis will be different. Sure. You know, I mean, if they were to win, yep. that will set the schedule different because right. they will go on Monday most likely to Minneapolis, and then that week is totally different, and it's a break. You get two weeks instead. So that would be um, unusual for this team. They haven't had to deal with that yet. Uh, the other thing about it, what if – this is way what if. I hate doing this getting ahead, but what the heck. Here we go. Um, what if the Jags win and the Eagles win, and you have a Jags-Eagles Super Bowl – you want to know what will really tick fans off? And I wonder if the NFL will step change in and it. change this. The London, London game next yeah. year is Eagles-Jaguars. Now, a lot of times they like to put that rematch on a primetime game. Would they move the London time to about, a primetime time hmm. slot? Or would they move or just change that game altogether? How bad would the optics be if you have this preset matchup and it's two really good teams? By the way, the London game has never featured two teams with a winning record. In its entire history, it has never featured two teams with a winning record. That's a record great Stuart Weber against nugget each right other. There. I did well, not know that. Yeah, I remember it when we had the Jags game. Like once we got to that point, it had already been locked in for the rest of the year that none of those matchups would have it, and none of the previous ones had either. Fascinating. Now, one thing that does appease the Jags fans, or at least helps in all of that, if that were to happen, they get the Patriots. And the Steelers at home. It's a really good, good home, home schedule. schedule. Oh, yeah. really, even without the Philly game, it's a good home schedule. So, uh, you know what? If the Jags make it to Minneapolis, I don't think Jags fans will care about anything for the next, like, five years. They'll <laughs> so. be bouncing off the walls, going insane, and just having a good time. Hey, speaking of um, how big of a storyline this is, how much of a storyline, how unusual of a storyline, uh, the other guy we caught up with on Friday, he'll call the game on CBS 47, Jim Nance. Uh, wonderful play-by-play guy. My second play favorite guy. behind Catalan. Ah, Andrew Catalan. Good shout-out for Andrew Catalan there. Um, but, yes, a wonderful play-by-play guy. Wonderful man, too. Uh, we got a little chance to spend some time with him. We've we spent some time in the past uh, in New York, so this is now multiple times, and he's been very uh, very accommodating, very nice. Very friendly. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, both times. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. And uh, we got a chance to catch up with him. Listen into this, because this is about the Jaguars, but he also knows a little bit about the Duval, because he has family members that live in the Jacksonville area. Here's our conversation with Jim Nance from Friday. The Jaguars in the AFC Championship for just the third time in team history against the New England Patriots who have been here just about every year. It's Jim Nance. How are you? I'm um, great. To see uh, you, man. Glad uh, that you're getting the call on Sunday. And I know you're used to the Patriots, but you're a storyteller. How cool is this story for Jacksonville? Oh, no, to be in you're it? right on about this. That the chance to tell uh, uh, a fresh story is uh, always exciting. Doesn't mean you're going to tell more stories about Jacksonville than you are going to be about New England, but there's a newness to it, and there's a, a, a sense of mystery 
it's an unknown really to still a large part of the country. And I know look, people watched him play against Pittsburgh last week. And they saw his broadcast of the game against Buffalo on the wild card weekend, but it still is going to be a much bigger audience for the AFC title game. And, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's so, uh, it's so upside down. You've got, uh, you got the, the modern day dynasty, which is what it is in New England. And then you got a, you know, you got an organization that was 17 and 63 over the last five years before this one that had a top five pick in the draft six straight years. All these years that New England's been playing for the AFC Championship, you know, the Jags been playing basically somewhere around that first pick in the draft to be right in the neighborhood and have been uh, in the first five. Um, so to think that they could actually come in here and win it, and they definitely could do that. I mean, they have a very impressive team and a defense is awesome and offense is playing uh, a lot better than they get credit for and playing turnover free here as of late and uh, you know to, 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 to save you know, as they're walking off the field if they're winners on uh, Sunday that Jacksonville is going to the Super Bowl I can't honestly say that's something that I thought maybe I'd be saying anytime soon so it would be an amazing story. Well, I tell you what, just the words that you just said, uh, it'll send goosebumps down the, the, <laughs> the people's uh, arms in Jacksonville for sure. And we tell folks this a lot when we catch up with Jim Nance, but he has family in Orange Park. So you got to see them a couple weeks ago when you were calling the Bills-Jags game. And you know a little bit about this Duval thing, don't he you? He wanted to make sure that I was aware of uh, some of the important things there for the fan base. and. The whole Duval, I got that down cold. I don't know how much we're going to hear it at Gillette Stadium on uh, on Sunday, but you know there is a loyal and uh, uh, loud and proud fan base there. And yeah, I've got family down in Orange Park. It's my mother's brother, okay, his family, my uncle Bronze, and uh, he's a sweet man. He just turned 95 years old, and. Uh, my aunt and my three cousins and their families and uh, believe me they make sure I know all about all things that involve the Jags so uh, I'm excited for them. That's very awesome. Uh, hopefully they're rooting on the Jags on Sunday. I'm sure they will be. I guarantee uh, you they'll be watching you tonight okay after I told them that you asked about them so. I will, well yeah. good. Hello Uncle <laughs> Bronze right? Well you got it Uncle Bronze <laughs> and, and he is a just an awesome guy a World War II hero wow, so good. yeah proud of him awesome stuff now listen storylines you guys have production meetings and you guys talk mm -hmm. and figure out what are you going to do well they're they're making themselves this week yeah uh, I won't ask you specifically about Brady but just these kind of storylines how does it change and factor into your broadcast when we might not know anything until even game time? oh I think that's it I mean listen in live television you have to be trained to react and be uh, flexible. You can't script these games. This is not a studio show. We got to wait and see what's on the field, and uh, you know if that's the case, what that looks like, and and react to it. And um, it's certainly thrown into the mix here a, a story that none of us could have imagined. In, you know, before this week, he had taken a lot of punishment during the year. He was sacked 35 times in the regular season, and uh, he got knocked around a lot more than he had in recent years. But he always got back up. So, um, you know, we know now that uh, he missed a couple of days of practices, was limited another day, and, and, uh, and it's, we're just kind of like all of us uh, right now are in a wait-and-see mode. Let me ask you about Tony Romo and, and mm -hmm. the job he's done. Uh, almost that boyish enthusiasm. I think he's been fantastic. I think a lot of the people out there think he's been fantastic. I think he's been fantastic from the get-go. And listen, I, I never had a doubt. He's, he's, he's a tremendous teammate. And 
Uh, it, it's been from the very start. And I don't say the start being September 10th and week one. I go back to May when we started working practice games together. I walked out of the booth at the broadcast center in at CBS in New York on May 17th. That was the start of a whirlwind summer. Took a lot of our summer away. We did this in Dallas, practice games off of a monitor. He came out to Pebble Beach. Uh, we went to Canton, Ohio, did a Hall of Fame game. I went to Dallas again. We went to Los Angeles together. We went to Charlotte. Uh, we went to Oakland for a preseason game. We were all over the place doing these practice games. But I can tell you, if you dial it back to the very first one, this is not to say he hasn't been working at it, nor does it say that we haven't been mentoring him on this. But the natural instincts were there. And I thought once we got to the fourth quarter of the first game we ever called, back in May, I thought he was good enough to go on the air right then on that spot. Now, the interesting thing was we kind of low-keyed it. There was a lot of hypermedia speculation about what he was going to be like, and there were a lot of opinions out there. 99% of them were, what is CBS doing? Yes. You know, he's not, he didn't deserve it. He's not going to be able to do this. And all I did was sit back and laugh because I thought, you guys are, are, are speculating on something that you've never heard. I have, and you have no idea what you're talking about. Hmm. Now, of course, everybody changed their reaction September 10th when week one happened, and he was brilliant right out of the box, and uh, I'm really uh, proud of him. He's worked hard, and it's important to him that it's all about this. We're a team, you know, and 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 uh, I've loved being by his side and listening to him and, and the coordination of uh, all the meetings and uh, the, the preparation during the week, and it's the start of a, of a great run, and uh, He's made it a lot of fun for everybody on the crew. Well, we'd love to tell you this. That's just as much to do with you as well as well, you as his partner. But uh, we, you know, it's congratulations. About, well, it's there's you know, chemistry is a thing that uh, you hear about in this business all the time. And there's an old cliche you hear it when you go on the air. Just go have fun. Well, that doesn't really help anybody. Like I've seen young broadcasters, they get told that just go have fun. Well, they don't know what that means. Like they're nervous. They want to make sure they hit their lines and look comfortable on TV. And like to force somebody to have fun, it's impossible to do. So it has to happen organically and naturally. And I can honestly say this is what this has been like. It's been fun. And it's not been somebody encouraging us to turn a switch and go have fun now. Um, it's a testament too to the fact that we've had a great friendship for a long time before uh, before the season even started. Before I even knew that uh, CBS was going to sign him, I known him for years, and through a common uh, passion of of golf, uh, we had had uh, dinners together, our wives, and um, on a number of occasions, going back for years. And so there was a chemistry and a friendship there, and that's just spilled over to the booth. So this marks our last game of the year. We won't be doing the Super Bowl again until next year. Uh, so I'm kind of sad to see it in for sure. But uh, I'm walking away from uh, this, this first year with Tony feeling uh, uh, very, very proud of his, of his effort and, and the difference he's, he's made on, uh, uh, on all of us as our part, that are part of this team. Well, everyone in Jacksonville is looking forward to this one. Most anticipated call of a game in probably two decades, Uncle Bronze included. And you want to say 3 o'clock on CBS 47. Do Okay. <laughs> we'll see you in Augusta in a couple of months. Jim Nance, of course, uh, the great CBS play-by-play -play man, will have the call on CBS 47, 3 o'clock from Gillette Stadium here in Foxborough. It'll be a lot of fun. Uncle Bronze, 95-year-old Uncle Bronze. He subscribes to the podcast. He, he I hope so. That's and I heard. Uh, also, Jim Nance told us, he said, hey, Uncle Bronze will be watching. 
I'm going to tell them that we're going to be on tonight in Jacksonville and this weekend. So uh, that's pretty cool. I thought uh, Nance was fantastic and um, had a lot of fun with it. Had a couple of Duvals in there. Sure. So he gets it. Uh, those guys will have the call 3 o'clock on uh, CBS 47 on Sunday. So here we go. We're on the eve of the game pretty much. Uh, we're about to we're two sleeps away as they like to say. The Jags will arrive on Saturday afternoon. They will stay in Providence. We'll be staying at the team hotel. Of course, we'll have more TV shows. And um, then it's on to Foxborough, Massachusetts, which is about a half hour from Providence. And uh, the Jags will load up the buses mid-morning Sunday and uh, get ready to play. Fred Taylor will be the honorary captain, of course, played for the Patriots and longtime Jag and legendary Jag player. He will be uh, the honorary captain. Drew Bledsoe for the New England Patriots will be the honorary captain on Sunday. Still bizarre to me how Foxborough is so much closer to Providence than it is to Boston. Yeah. Um, that's, of course, why they call it New England. The New England Patriots, not the Boston Patriots. Yeah, when which, I when I lived there as a kid, there was a there was a time where they almost moved them to Connecticut. Which, by the way, how come San Francisco isn't the Bay Area 49ers they, now? That would because be they the, sure as heck are not in San Francisco. Well, maybe now that Oakland's moving, maybe they could become that. Now nah, there you go. That might be a chance. But um, uh, by the way, as I've been telling everybody, Providence, Rhode Island, way better than Boston, Massachusetts. Anyway, from your your mouth, sure. Yes, let's, let's go with it. It is. It is. It's just way better. Nice view of the state house from the hotel. Here. That's right. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to the Pylon Podcast uh, brought to you by the Jacksonville Icemen. Uh, Dan Hicken uh, will be here on Saturday. We expect to maybe even have another podcast for you for game day. I can't get enough Facebook lives. Can't get enough podcasts. Everywhere. you got to be so tired of seeing us on TV or you're just having so much fun with this Jags run that it just doesn't matter. CBS 47, the place to be all day on Sunday for your game day coverage. Uh, for Stuart Weber, I'm Brent Martineau. Thanks for listening to the Action Sports Jacks Pylon podcast brought to you by the Jacksonville Iceman.